Hello, I'm Phil Whittle, host of the Private Investigator Experience podcast, where we talk about the life and cases of a PI. I own West Coast Detectives International, headquartered in Los Angeles, California, and this is another year of celebration for us as we enter the 102nd year of service to our local, national, and international clients. Yes, 102 years. No, I'm not the founder, as I've been asked sometimes on live television where I've done shows, but I took it over several years after it was founded. One of the questions I have gotten is, how were we able to stay in business for all these years? With all the challenges of the last 100 years, with depressions, wars, business cycles, earthquakes, cyclones, fires, and all those things. First, I can't take credit for that because uh, there was a lot of people building a solid foundation before I took over in 1977. Then, since that time, I've had a lot of talented people, most smarter than me, who have helped me guide our growth. And probably the biggest asset I've had is my faith in God, who has favored me and given me His grace. Our agency was patterned after a police department. We had a uniform division, an investigative division, an undercover division, special services such as forensics, polygraph, fingerprint, lab services, a strike force unit for handling strikes, and an administration group. And in our undercover division, we had a large female undercover division, and I get asked a lot about what kind of work did you have females do? You know, they instantly go to the view of a television PI show and all the sleazy stuff that goes on. No, we didn't do any sleazy stuff. Our large group of females were mostly actresses that had come to Hollywood to make their career and working for us paid their monthly expenses. And our female agents would work in companies where it required a female to fit in with employees that was working there, doing in-home uh, interviews where a woman would set the atmosphere much more at ease. And let's be realistic. If a man was a target and an attractive woman came in their home to ask questions, it was amazing how men will be men. And they would just give up all kinds of facts uh, to that nice smile and pretty face. Everything we needed. And we would have a team outside the house, and the female would be wired in the event that the man made some advances that were unwarranted. Uh, one typical example, example of a workplace agent, a female agent, getting uh, advances at work. One day I got a call, and this agent was working inside a clothing manufacturing company, which was run by several brothers. The brother who hired us was the COO, and he didn't tell his brother who was the CEO. So our agent, who was very attractive, was in and out of the executive offices, and I got an urgent call from her one day saying, what do I do? The CEO was chasing me around his office. What should I do? And I said, don't let him catch you. Help is on the way. As I was activating a response team, I dialed the brother and got him on the phone and said, get your CEO brother away from my agent. He's chasing her around the, the, the office. 
So he took care of that, and I didn't need the response team. And I uh, got an apology from the CEO. And it's interesting that he did have a reputation in around LA of liking the ladies. We have many funny stories like that that weren't serious, that didn't cause any danger. But it made the life in our field a little interesting and unexpected. Now, the questions I've been asked, too, is how do you set up a case? With all of the different types of cases that you would have coming in, how do you know that you've got the resources to handle it? Well, up until the pandemic, our office was kind of like a police department. The phone would ring. Somebody would be on the other end of the line with a problem, and they would tell us a story. And in the old days, we would set up a meeting, and most of the time they would come to our office. Sometimes they couldn't. We would meet them sometimes in our home or maybe at a coffee shop near their location so nobody would see them. But since the pandemic and sometime before that, most cases we received by email or by someone calling us and sending us that email and information. And if we have meetings with them, many times we'll do it on Zoom to eliminate getting together with all the issues around the pandemic. And over the years, prior to all the technology, we had an in-house staff that dealt with most of the cases. When I took over West Coast Detectives and right before that, there was 2,000 employees, and we phased some of those down and uh, did some uh, restaffing of some of the services and discontinued some. So we've always had a lot of people we had over 100 uh, agents in the undercover with about 50 of those female agents. And so we had that backed up then with research and various technology that was available at that time. And that supported our active field divisions. Well, technology has changed a lot. This is a fast-changing world. And now we have a group of specialists in the area of technology who support a real reduced staff of in-house agents. You don't need people on a payroll when you might not need them only once a month. We have every resource that you can think of from that includes all types of computers from hacking and threats via computers and seizures of people's email systems and trying to threaten them and, and hold them hostage to get a payout from them. And this also includes all the forensic items that we need, such as fingerprinting, uh, polygraph, and other technologies in, in the forensic area. This also includes the deep dive backgrounds, including the dark web. Now, of course, we have the basic backgrounds, which it's pretty easy to do with all the technology and the resources that we have that's available to investigators that's not to the public sector. But then there's this real dark web, and there's this deep dive that we have specialists that have been at the agency with and the other government agencies that specialize in this, that when we need them, we have them available to come and help us. We also then have threat management services, both for our executive service clients, protective clients, as well as celebrities or other people that might have threats on their lives or families. What I've found, it's much easier today to have all the tools available to handle any client requests that I might receive.
I can say to a client, I can say, we can handle your problem. We can solve it. Because if I don't have the technology in-house or I don't really know maybe it details a lot about it myself, I know where to go get that resource that can do the best job for our client and give us the best ability to keep their costs down and uh, make it more practical for them. I get to question also, is it possible today to start a private uh, detective service? Yes, it is, but it's more complex due to the technology. And the field has changed dramatically over the years with lawsuits and attorneys telling their clients that they should be very careful about doing investigative work or background work. And it's really cut back on particularly undercover services that in the private sector, we would do a lot of that for our corporate clients. Then there's also competition for those going into the field from those coming out of law enforcement that enter the private investigative field. And that gives them credibility and a marketing edge on getting new clients because of their background. But I, I would recommend developing an expertise in a technical area that is in a big demand today, that if you're really interested to have a passion about investigative work. Another area that's still available today and uh, is a wide variety of insurance-related investigations. And, and since the private investigative field is small, it is difficult to get on-the-job experience, as it's always been, just because there's not a lot of uh, private agencies where people can go to work get experience where they can qualify for the hours needed in the states to qualify for a private investigator's license. When you're working for someone else or another company, you're working under their license, so you don't need to be licensed yourself. But that's where most people start. And if you're not coming out of law enforcement, like I came out of law enforcement, so I had hours that qualified for my California license. So if you have a patient, if you really are willing to work hard, find an area that you like and go searching and find someone that's in that field. If it's in the insurance field, find the people doing insurance investigation and get a job there. Go to work, gain your hours, put in the time and get good at investigative work. One of the biggest complaints I hear from clients about private investigators that come to us is we hired these people, they call them, this company. And I didn't hear from them. I couldn't get a report out of them. They would uh, never make contact with me. On and on it would go. So we made a decision in our company at West Coast Detectives International. We're never going to get a complaint from a client that we take their money and they don't hear from us. They don't get reports. They don't get action from us. And we keep them uh, abreast on what is going on and also give them detailed, accurate reports. Now, if you want to be an investigator and succeed, if you do those things, you will succeed because there's so many that aren't. In fact, we're dealing with a situation right now with a, with a client who gave a large amount of money to some specialists who said that they were able to do their work and they haven't done anything for them and they haven't been able to get their money back. And that makes it bad for all investigators. So decide to be diligent to do what you say you will do to a client, be responsive, and be a good report writer. That's one of the most important parts. You know, you can do a case, and it might take you a short time because of resources you have. 
and that you've developed, and you've put money into those. And the report wouldn't normally be that long, telling the facts. Might be a half a page. But if you write a report explaining all the things you went through, what you did, how you went about finding this information, what you've learned, answer any questions that they might come up, and you've got a two, two and a half page report. And suddenly the client is saying, wow, that's all you charge for this? And I've had that happen so many times. And if I'd have written that basic report of a half a page said, here are the facts, they would have said, you're charging me that for this half a page? So learn how to write a report and be accurate. And we're not talking about, talking about exaggeration or embellishing anyway, but it's just letting people know the work that you put into it as a professional to get the information uh, for them. Now, if you have any questions about that specifically, feel free to email me, which I'm going to give you in just a minute, and I'll answer any questions. And if we need to talk, I'll call you and we can talk about it. And if I can help you in any way, structure a career. I will be happy to do that. I hope this answers questions that I've been asking. Keep those questions coming. I appreciate those. If you enjoyed this, would you hit that share and like, and then subscribe and hit the notification bell to be informed of future posts? Please leave any comments on any of the platforms, or you can email me directly at plittlepi777 at gmail. Dot com. Until next time, be safe. May God bless you. May God bless your family. And may God bless America.